Let's go to Romans chapter 8 and go a little further in it. It's, it's the longest teaching chapter uh, in the book of Romans for sure, so we won't finish it probably tonight, but we're going to go a little further in it. We've talked all the way through verse 14 at least. Last time we ended talking about being led by the Spirit of God, but I want to continue a little bit with that. Let's read verse 14 through 17, no, 14 through 16. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Notice it says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Stop there for a moment. Uh, back to verse 14. It says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, those are sons of God. So as sons of God, you should be led by the Spirit of God. Notice it doesn't say as many as are led by prophets, they are the sons of God. Old Testament, the, the children of Israel were led by prophets because the prophets were the only ones who could hear from God. In this day, you are not to be led by a prophet. You are not to seek leading from a prophet. Amen. You're not to look at it as the prophet said, so there, therefore I will. No, no, no. The spirit is your leader. The prophets will help you on your journey, imparting truth, imparting gifts, helping you see ahead, helping you confirm what you know to be true by the Spirit of God. So you've got to be very careful. We've talked much on that. But we're not led by prophets. We're led by the Spirit of God. And you need to know how to be led by the Spirit of God. So when that term is used the first time, you're supposed to be led by the Spirit. What does that look like? Because you can't see the Spirit. You can't audibly hear the Spirit normally. Uh, uh, maybe a, a one time in your life you'll get to hear the Spirit say something like that. That's not what you're looking for. It's not a megaphone from heaven. So to be led by the Spirit, what does it look like? Does it look like a bunch of coinkydinks? Does it look like a bunch of coincidences? Well, this happened and that happened and that. The Spirit was leading me. No. No, not exactly, not exactly. So what does it look like when the Spirit's leading you? Uh, did the door open, therefore the Spirit led me? No, 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 no. The door might have opened and it was not from God. The devil might have opened that for you and tempted you to go through it. The door might be shut. Well, the door shut, so I knew it wasn't God's will. God does not lead us by open and shut doors. Some closed doors he wants you to open by faith. After you hear from the Spirit, you'll know to do it. And some he wants you to go through, some he wants you to close by faith. Right. Looks open, but he needs you to avoid that like the plague. Yeah. And so being led by the Spirit is the only way you're going to succeed in life. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, the, 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 verse 16 says, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit. He, he bears witness with our spirit. He, he testifies inside of us. He he nudges inside of us. He acknowledges truth. You know, what does a witness do? A witness says, I see something. I know something. The spirit witnesses. He's the witness in our spirit. He bears witness first. This says that we are children of God. Inside your spirit, you know you're a child of God, right? There's something in there that you just know that he's your father. I mean, not only does the Bible say it, and I believe what the Bible says, but there's also something in me. 
I just know it's okay. I just know I'm saved. I just know that I'm a child of God. How do I know? The Spirit's in me. He's alive. He is real. And he is letting me know I am saved. I am with God. I'm a son of God. He bears witness with my spirit. I'm a son of God. It's like he, he's in there. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. You can ask him. You can try it right now. Say, Lord, am I a son of God? Then look down. You should have gotten a little belly rub. Just a little pat. Just a little acknowledgement. Yep. A little nod from the Holy Spirit. Comfortable. Peaceful. There's a yes that rings on the inside of you that you're a child of God. Well, that same witness, we call it the inward witness. Because it's happening in the inner man. It's happening in the inward man, not the outward man. So therefore, it's the inward witness from the Holy Spirit with our spirit that you're a son, but he also can witness for everything else in your life with that same feeling. That same spiritual feeling on the inside is how God will lead us. Most of the way that he leads us through life is with the inward witness. It's an unction. It's peaceful. It's a tug. It's a knowing. It's a green light. It's a big yes on the inside. It's a comfort. It's an unction. It's a pull, not a push. The opposite of him leading you in the affirmative would be you feel an alarm. You feel uneasy. You feel a friction. You feel a twist. You feel a scratch. You feel uh, uh, something wrong. I just Something's wrong. Not a stomach ache, but a something's wrong in me ache in my spirit. See, the, the conscience is the, the, well, we can say that man is made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Uh, the word conscience is the voice of our spirit. The word conscience meaning con, C-O-N, means with, and then science means knowing, with knowing. So the voice of our spirit, if, the spirit, if your spirit wants to let you know something, it's going to be with your conscience. My conscience alerts me that what I'm about to do is not right. My conscience alert, alerts me that it is okay. My conscience is the one that reminds me to hold my tongue. I don't need my flesh to stop my tongue. I don't need to zip my, I don't need to sew my lips together because I have a conscience that says don't say that. My conscience is the voice of my spirit telling my brain what to do and what not to do. And he is in conjunction with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. So he leads us not with desires. God does not lead us by our desires. Well, I just, people say, well, whatever's in your heart. That only works for those that are pure in heart. Can you take a, an assessment of all of the times you or somebody else you know just did what was in their heart and it was futile or bad or led to 10 years of trouble? I just have this in my heart. Well, can we run it by the Holy Spirit? I'm glad it's in your heart. Can we run it by the Holy Spirit and make sure that he witnesses that it's okay for me to go that route? Uh, but I just had this in my heart. I just, it's my desire. Well... He'll give you the desires of your heart if you're really pure and if you're really open to him giving you the desires. Then he'll give you what you desired 
But you've got to be real sensitive to the Spirit. You've got to be really walking with God. You can't just trust the desire that, okay, well, that's what God wants. It's what I want. must be what God wants. I'm sure we could come up with a lot of funny examples. But since you already laughed, we don't need to. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So let me give you just a few. I don't want to do a whole teaching on how to be led by the Spirit. We've done lots of that. But let's go through a little bit because it's in the context here that we have to be led by the Spirit. And most of that, we'd say more than 90% is going to be by the inward witness. He may speak a word into your mind, but 90% of the time it's just going to be a knowing. So let's take a look at some scripture. Go to Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 15. Acts chapter 15, we'll just take a, you'll, you'll see some terminology that's used here. And the way that God's going to lead you by the inward witness is going to be for big things and little things. It'll be for small things like don't take that trip. It'll be for big things like, you know, job transitions, stuff like that, getting, getting married. It'll be that same, that same knowing he's not going to lead you bigger with bigger for bigger things. Amen. I remember one time I was in the car and I was headed to get my hair cut and I had this coupon to go to the expensive place uh, on the other side of town, not the other side, but you know, 20 minutes away. And so I'm like, yep, my wife said I can no longer get my hair cut at the $3 store, you know, $3.99 haircut. It's like, she can, you can no longer get your hair cut there. So here I am off to the expensive place and, uh, instead of $40, I have my $20 coupon, I think, and. I'm headed that direction, and all of a sudden, I got this weird feeling on the inside. I'm like, oh, the inward witness. And I'm like, oh, I know what that is. I know what that is. I ain't going. I ain't going. <laughs> now, I didn't go to the 399 store. I just went home. And uh, on the way back home, uh, Joni calls me, and she says, well, are you, are you stuck in traffic? I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, there's a big power outage out in the, wherever I was. I was headed to Champions or somewhere out there. She says, a big power outage out, out there. They're, they're saying all over the city of Houston, big news. Uh, I, said, I said, no, I turned around because the spirit wouldn't want me to go. didn't want me to go. So just a little simple little thing happened because of just an inward, just getting, staying sensitive to him. Yeah. And, you know, that sounds real easy if you don't have a, a very busy life. Or it can be very easy if you don't have a busy life. But if you have a very busy life with schedule and all this stuff, it's harder to, to really, I mean, because you, you're on it. You're, you're pushing yourself. You're pressing buttons. So you have to take extra care and caution to stay led by the Spirit, even if you're busy. Stay led by the Spirit, even if you've got 15 kids. Even if you've got three kids that act like 15 kids. You've got to stay led by the Spirit so that God can help your, your life in little things and in big things, but it's going to be with a little something uneasiness in here when it's a no or velvety if it's a yes, like a, yeah, wow, that feels good on the inside. Not to your head because your head, your head likes a lot of stuff. The flesh likes a lot of stuff. So you can't, can't follow that. Uh, you know, our, uh, well, we say that the, the conscience is the voice of the spirit. Your senses, excuse me, your senses are the voice of your soul. And your feelings are the voice of your flesh, we could say. 
or the voice of your body. And we've been trained all our life to listen to your senses. But the inward witness is truly the sixth sense. Now, now spiritists talk about the sixth sense, that they're all spiritual. Well, you're not spiritual unless you're born again. You're still dead. You may be open to demons, but you're, you're not spiritual unless you're alive unto God. You're, you're just, your flesh is open to demons affecting and influencing and helping your life in some way or really destroying your life in some way. So don't call yourself spiritual unless you're born again, filled with the Spirit, and following the Spirit. Amen. Spiritual doesn't mean that you think there's meaning behind everything in the world. Spiritual doesn't come from you thinking, well, there's, I believe in karma and I believe everything happens for a reason. I'm a spiritual person. Spiritual is not because you, you know, see things and think of things and, and have all this symbol, symbolism in your life about every religious idea. No, no. Spiritual means you're led by your spirit, moved by your spirit, living a life of the, uh, after the inward man, not the outward man. That would be a spiritual person. So all these other people saying that, if they're not saved, they don't believe in Jesus and they're not born again, they're not filled with the Holy Ghost, they're not spiritual at all. They're just flesh people feeding their flesh with, spirit, with, uh, with hyper-spiritual ideas. So you can just tell them when they say I'm spiritual, no, you're just a nut, that's what you are. No, just, okay, don't say that, but if they've rejected Christ already, yeah, you can tell them that. If not, be real, be real kind and preach Christ to them. Some people you got to save with fear. Some people you got to call them out, you know. On some, the Bible says that on some have compassion, making a difference. On others, save with fear, hating the flesh, pulling them out of the fire. Uh, okay, so here we are in uh, Acts chapter 15. Now, this was... Uh, a big question that happened in the early church. They were preaching the gospel. Non-Jewish people were getting saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. The Jews are like, what do we do with these Gentiles, man? They, you know, all of a sudden the Gentiles are acting like they know God too. What do we tell them to do? Did we bring them the law of Moses and put them through the ringer? Basically, no pun intended, get circumcised. That's what the big question was. These Gentiles are getting saved, getting filled with the Spirit. Do we make them get circumcised? Moses said, you got to be circumcised. What's the, what's the answer? Well, it was, a, it was such a huge question. They had to send delegates back to Jerusalem to visit the apostles and James to find out, what do you say about it? It was a big question. Do we keep the law? Do we get circumcised and be filled with the Spirit? And so it says here, uh, verse... 24, and then here's, they wrote a letter, and they sent it by the hands of uh, uh, Paul and Barnabas. Verse 23, they wrote this letter by them, the apostles, elders, and the brethren to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greeting, since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words, unsettling your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good to us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men with, to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives. So notice here, big question, and it says, it seemed good to us. That's, right. That's one of the ways it feels. It just seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. Seemed good to us. Uh, here it just says, seemed good to us. Seemed good. Seemed good is a way that the inward witness feels. It just seemed good. 
on the inside. Seemed good to us. There's a lot of things you're going to do in life that just seemed right, seemed good. I'm not talking about to your brain. I'm not talking about to your taste buds. I'm talking about seemed good, seemed good to me, seemed good so I can follow that. It seemed good to go get my hair cut at that place until it didn't. Then it didn't seem good anymore. Turned around. This is a big question. This is like major doctrine that they're trying to figure out. Huge decision. They didn't fast and pray. They didn't ask for God to speak with an audible voice. God, we must know the answer to this. No, it just seemed good. Go ahead and send the letter and the question over to the apostles in Jerusalem. See what they say. Verse 27, we have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Here's the answer. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. And then it tells them, and I'm going to teach that. It'll get a little, I'll have to go too far. So just stop there. Here was the answer. Here was the, the major doctrine answer. No, you don't have to get circumcised. Just tell the Gentiles these few things. But that whole thing happened because it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit. What do you mean seemed good to the Holy Spirit? Yeah, it meant that he was witnessing that that was a good thing. It didn't say the Holy Spirit said. It didn't, it didn't say that God said. It didn't say the word of the Lord came unto me saying. It just seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit that this is all we need to say to you. Did you know that that's how a lot of spiritual things happen in the body of Christ? It doesn't have to be after 40 days of fasting. It doesn't have to be that God spoke, God said, God, no, it just seemed, seemed good. You're going to have to get used to it. Instead of looking for spectacular things to have a testimony of, uh, be able to testify, it seemed good to me in the Holy Spirit. Not, I'm close to him. I know how he feels. Amen. I know it was good. I know it was right. Yeah, that's right. Big things and little things. Haircuts, doctrine questions. Just seemed good. Matter of fact, if you go back and look, and Luke, and Luke, and Luke if you go back and look, Luke wrote his entire gospel. He said this, O Theophilus, it seemed good that I write to you these necessary things, having had perfect understanding since the beginning. It seemed good that I write this. The gospel of Luke was written because it seemed good to him. So think about it. God wanted Luke to write this gospel, but he, Luke didn't say, God told me to write this gospel. The, the scriptures are written by God himself. They're spoken by God himself through the pen of a man. How did he get his men to do this? Was it by a burning bush or a mountain-shaking, trembling voice? No, it, for Luke, it just seemed good that I write this letter to you. Wow. To, a particular per, to a particular leader, theologian, philosopher. One of the leaders in the, in the city. So for big things in your life, it's, you're going to have to get familiar with the Holy Spirit. And stop waiting for God to give you a sign. Amen. Look at chapter 19, Acts 19. Here's another phrase that you'll see. Acts chapter 19. This is Paul's journey. 
his preaching journey. Verse 21, Acts 19, 21, when these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. Notice what he did. He purposed in the spirit. Purposed in the spirit. What does that mean? That means he had a set plan or a purpose and even a desire. He decided, I'm headed this direction. I'm going to go here and I'm going to go there. But he did it in the spirit. He purposed in the spirit. What does that exactly mean? It means somehow he got the Holy Spirit involved in his decision making. It doesn't say the spirit bade me go to these places in order. It says he purposed in the spirit. This was his plan. Interesting. Another time uh, it says the spirit did not allow him to go. Go back to chapter 16. 16 verse 6. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Forbidden by the Holy Spirit. These are phrases. How's the Holy Spirit going to forbid you? Does he have to give you a dream? Not necessarily. Does he have to have an angel appear? No, it didn't say that. How's he going to forbid? How, how would you know if the Holy Spirit was forbidding you to do something? Does he have to say, I forbid you? What if it's just with a knowing? What if it's just with an unction? What if it's just with an uneasiness? What if it's just with a tiny little scratch in your spirit and you're forbidden by the Holy Spirit? Verse 7. After they had came to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. How did he not permit them? Did he cause a bad storm to come? No. No, most likely it was just that inward witness. It was just somehow he alerted them. And it happens on the inside. Doesn't happen with your physical ears. Doesn't happen because X plus Y equals Z. Doesn't happen because all the parameters fit. All the scenario was perfect. Some people think that if their plans were you know, unfold perfectly that it was God's will, but if it was very difficult, then it wasn't God's will. See, it wasn't even God's will. See how hard it's been? And other people think just the opposite, that if you're in God's will, all hell's going to break loose and all the plans are going to go up in smoke. It's like, see, that's how you know God's involved. It's because all these things have happened. You cannot determine God's will based on the circumstance and based on the outward effects of things. Remember when Jesus told the apostles, get in the, get in the boat and go to the other side, and a big storm came up. Well, did the storm come from God or from the devil? What if it was just a storm? What if it was just a storm? Don't try to bring, don't try to bring divine meaning into everything that happens to it. Well, the devil caused a storm. Well, what if it was just coming? I mean, you can see now that you can see where the storm originates over in the Caribbean. You can see it coming. And then it, it hits your seat. Oh, the devil has come. Well, we knew he was coming. <laughs> Doesn't have to be the devil. Don't attribute it to God. Sometimes things just happen, and you, you don't want to live your spiritual life that way. Right. Right. I, I, you know, maybe I could admit that the, the devil is in every evil storm. Somehow demons get involved so they can destroy things, but... <clears throat> And we know that Jesus rebuked the storm, so it wasn't God. God, I rebuke your storm. It wasn't from God, so that's a whole other message. Come on. 
Okay. Um, let's see here. Uh, we won't turn there, 1 Corinthians 16. Uh, Paul said this. He was telling the church at Corinth. He said, hey, I want to come see you, and I want to visit. I want to stay for a while. If, you let, if, the, if the Spirit will allow me, I'll stay a while. See, notice how a Christian life needs to be highly submitted to the Holy Spirit. Highly submitted to the Holy Spirit. Uh, one scripture says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. The, the Holy Spirit guidance is very peaceful. And when it's not peaceful on the inside, you need to shut everything down, go pray in the Spirit, and get, get into a place where you're confident you, you can trust what you're feeling on the inside. Some people oh, I don't have any peace. And they're talking about the outside. They're talking about their, their house and their domestic life or whatever is going on in their, their life. Uh, but we're, what we're talking about, let the peace rule in your heart. If the peace rules in your heart, you can have peace in the middle of a storm, even a domestic storm. Uh, I've told this many times, but when I was uh, in the business world, I knew from God that I was going to leave and go into the ministry, but I didn't know when. And he had told me a year prior, don't leave your job, you'll know when. He had told me those things. And so I just served and I just studied and I, I was a good Christian. I was preparing myself. I knew one day would come. I didn't know if it was a year, two, three, four, five, six, ten. I didn't know when I might be going into the ministry full time, but I knew God said I would be. And he said, you'll know when. He spoke this sentence to me, which he didn't speak another sentence to me all year long. But all of a sudden I was at this, uh, in this place as, my, as a consultant here at a particular oil company client. And January hit, and I started feeling real uneasy on the inside. I'm like, oh. And so I just prayed in tongues. When you feel uneasy, you need to pray and find out what's going on. Amen. Oh, I was just praying in tongues and praying in tongues. just didn't feel right on the inside. And, um, you know, my job's great, and everything's wonderful, and everything's good in my life, except just on the inside, didn't feel right. So I'm just praying in tongues and praying in tongues, and January goes by, and I'm still just kind of kind of almost taken out in tongues, just, oh, oh, just groaning on the inside, just didn't seem right. You know, I could function at work. I didn't have to look like that at work. But just uh, every, every downtime and every, uh, every non-work time and, and personal time, it was just, oh, just, oh, just praying in tongues. And I prayed in tongues for, you know, several hours a day. At lunch, I'd pray in tongues. At night, I'd pray in tongues. Just, oh, just trying to pray myself through this. And that's why we call it praying through. Pray yourself through the woods. Right. You feel like you're stuck right. in some way, just pray yourself through Amen. it. Pray in tongues through it because you don't know what to pray for as you ought to. But right. the Holy Spirit will help you pray. If you'll do it in tongues, he'll, he'll get you through it. If right. you try to figure it out, well, what's going on? What is, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. God, God. Well, you're not using the tool. Amen. You're like trying to saw the wood with your finger. Why don't you saw the wood with the chainsaw, right? Yeah. So let the Spirit use the chainsaw and get you through the woods. All right, so I'm just praying in tongues. February goes by, March goes by, uh, almost halfway through March. And uh, all of a sudden on the inside, all of a sudden on the inside, I knew something. That feeling was gone. I prayed myself through the woods. That feeling of uneasiness was gone, and I saw the light. Uh, and, and, and this is what I mean. I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt it was time for me to leave my job and go into the ministry. That's exactly what I said. That's it. And then I remembered. I remembered. Then, then I remembered that God had told me a year before, you'll, you'll know when. Don't leave your job. You'll know when. He didn't speak. I didn't hear any sentence. 
I knew when. I'm like, that's what he meant. I know. I know it's time. I didn't, I didn't rationalize it, didn't think about it. That was at lunch at my job. I walked into the office, went straight to my boss. I didn't inquire from other people. I didn't get anybody else involved. I just went straight to my boss and said, gave my two-week notice. She said, what are you going to do for income? I'm like, I have no idea. I just know I have to do it right now. <laughs> Instantly obey the, obey the voice of your spirit. Amen. Learn, get, get familiar with the voice of your spirit. How does your spirit speak to you when he wants you to do something? So the, the, the Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit, and somehow my mind has to know. And if we're, since we're not perfect in the spirit, you got to pray in tongues so that you can get, your weak, get through your weakness. Get through your rationalization in your brain. Get through all of the difficulty. Get, get that sense from the Holy Spirit to come up. So he leads us more with a sense, a knowing, than he does with a sentence. I, I, I know there's been times when you sat there saying, God, just speak to me. I need to hear a sentence. I just need to hear a sentence. Everything's so unclear. I need to hear a sentence. Be careful. Be careful. Amen. I know you're all, you know, I know how you are. You're all emotional. So you're going to say it. But then remember this message. Remember the scriptures. But wait a second. I better go pray in tongues. If I really want to get the answer, I can't be all carnal about it. Amen. God, just show me. Oh, God, just show me a sign today. Just show me a sign. I just need a sign. You're not, you're not very mature, are you? You're being a baby. You want to be, if you want to be an adult Christian, you got to be led by the Spirit. Amen. You're going to have to do the spiritual work. You're going to have to pray in tongues. You're going to have to use your faith. You're going to have to hear and be sensitive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, a, lot, a lot of people do want to see a sign. God just got show. Here, here's, I'm going to set you up, God, so here's how you're going to lead me. I'm going to set you up. Here's, here's my plan. Okay. If this, then this. If, if, if you do this for me, if I see this happen today, two blue trucks driving by each other, then I will know that I shall buy a blue truck. You know, something ridiculous. <clears throat> and, and the reason that we kind of gravitate toward that is because in the Old Testament, you'll see a couple times when people did that. Gideon's the big example where Gideon put out a sheep's fleece because he needed to know for sure if God was calling him to redeem Israel, save Israel, right? And uh, so he had actually had three signs. He, he, he built, he built a, a fire with some sacrifice. And he said, There's the first sign was God, you know, burn this up if you want me to do this. And boom, there goes the fire. And then it was, okay, I'm going to do one more thing. I'm going to lay out a fleece. And if it's, if it's wet and, and, and the ground's dry, I know for sure it's you. Um, and then so it happened. And then he said it again. He said, well, let me try it a different way. That might have been too easy. Somebody could have just come poured it on, on the, the, the wool. So he said, this time it's the opposite. So you know the story. Uh, and so he used a fleece and God answered all of, his, all of his signs. He wanted a sign. God answered all of his signs so he would know that he, even though he's the least of his tribe, he's going to be the conqueror for Israel, right? And so people say, well, I'll do that. I'll put out, you know, a, a fleece. And you can't, you should not do that because, see, Gideon did not have the Holy Spirit. He was not led by the Spirit. He was not called a son of God at that time. Now he's in heaven. He's called a son of God because he saw the Messiah. 
But at the time, he was not alive on the inside enough to hear from the Spirit. He, was not, he did not have the inward witness. And so he needed a sign. Okay, well, there's been Christians that have done that and maybe they got their sign. But that's not how we're commanded to live. Don't just take the easy way out and say, well, I'll just be a baby Christian the rest of my life and maybe God will give me signs. Don't do that. You'll mess, you'll mess your life up. You'll, you'll have a coincidence that you're, you know, forcing and it's not God's will, but you're going you're gonna to mess it up. So one of our fun examples is uh, Kenneth Hagin tells this story back in 1941. He was pastoring this church um, and another church in East Texas called him and asked him to come pastor their church. And so back then you had that happen a lot. If you were part of a group, they would just try to transfer the pastors here and there. But so he went and preached for them. And after he preached on Sunday, they asked him to be the pastor. And so he said he would. They had to vote on it. That's the way their denomination worked. They had to vote on it. And so he was driving away and he said this to God. He said, God, if, um, uh, uh, if, if, they will vote me in 100% unanimous vote, then I'll, then I'll know it's from you and I'll take that pastorate. Well, they did. They voted him in 100%. And so he took the job and he, he felt like, okay, God, you sh- that's what I asked. You, you gave me the answer. And so he pastored that church. He said that for the, for the year that he pastored, he, no, he, he pastored as long as the agreement was for, whatever that was. He said that he would prepare for the, the messages and such and, and the ministry, and he'd be all fired up, and he'd, he'd step up into the, into the pulpit, and he said that he, he would go cold, and he, he couldn't preach at all. He could barely talk, so he'd just give a little talk, but no anointing, and he was real frustrated about it, and uh, the Lord just kind of informed him, uh, said, said it was not my will that you take this job. He said, you put out a fleece and you got fleeced. You got fleeced, they got fleeced, we all got fleeced. (laughs) Got the wool pulled over our eyes because we attributed something to the will of God that was not the will of God at all. They should have known not to ask him. He should have known not to do it. One of the two. And so that was like many years before God really explained the inward witness to him. He's just a young preacher, you know. Hey, when you're young and, and serving God, I mean, you go for everything, right? I mean, you don't know exactly everything, so you're just going for it. You're excited to serve God, whatever you do. But you got to learn about the inward witness. And so the way that God taught, taught him about the inward witness, that some other church, when he began travel, oh, finish that story. So as soon as the, the time on his contract was over or whatever, he left. He didn't, he didn't pray. He didn't ask anybody. He didn't tell anybody. He said, I'm done. I'm out of here. And he took off. But after he left, he always wanted to go back there and preach to show him he could actually preach. <laughs> and he finally got invited back. He came and preached and the people were like, wow, man, you never preached like that when you were here. And he told him, he said, you know, he said, I could preach before I got there. I can preach after I left. But while I was there, we were both out of the will of God, no anointing. So. So, but the way he learned about the inward witness was that in his traveling ministry, a church had asked him to come preach. And so he was thinking, sure, sure. I know the, I know the, uh, the church is a solid work, whatever. And so he sat down to write a letter of, of, because back then you had to write letters. You didn't have cell phones and you didn't have emails. And 
you, you didn't really want to spend your money on a collect. I mean, on a, on a long distance call. So people wrote letters uh, to to ask and to tell to give answers. And so he's writing a letter, and he said he he didn't feel right on the inside. So he just crumpled it up and threw it away. The next day, he got out to write a letter. He's going to tell him, "Yes, I'm coming." And he started writing the letter. He just didn't feel right. He crumpled it up, and threw it away. And the third day, same thing. Crumpled it up, couldn't get through the letter. He's, he's like, what is going on here? I, and, and there's a whole other story to it where the Lord uh, appeared to him, talked to him, and explained some things about the prophet's ministry. And then he explained to him about the inward witness. And he said, right now I'm speaking to you and I'm never going to speak to you this way again to lead you and tell you where to go. He said, I'm only going to do it the way I do with every other believer. Every other of my children is by the inward witness. So after today, I'm only going to lead you by the inward witness. He said, for the past three days, what you've been sensing is the inward witness. It's an uneasiness about something I don't want you to do. Interesting, huh? You and I are going to have to get familiar with that. You can't just take every phone call as in the will of God. Just because it happened doesn't mean it was God's will. Tons of things have happened in your life and to your life that were not God's will. Tons of things God wanted you to do, you didn't do, and you missed some things. There's some blessings that he needs you to, he wants you to have. Just You want them, he wants them, but you're going to have to follow his spirit to get them. You have to make right decisions based on the Holy Spirit, not on your emotions, not on your schedule, not on your calendar. Not because not all the details worked out. Not because you like a person. Not because you don't like a person. Not because you like a job. Not because you don't like a job. Right. People have left jobs because they got squeezed or because of the pressure. Don't you ever leave a job because you, know, you, hate, because you just hated it so bad or because you lost your temper or because you just couldn't stand it anymore. That's right. I just can't stand it anymore. <laughs> well, you need to start being a Christian for a while and let the Spirit lead you. He might let you have the boss's job if you'll get your attitude right. right. <clears throat> so you're not led by your emotions. You shouldn't be led by your anger, led by your pressure, led by all that stuff. You've got to just chill out. It, there, should be a, there should be a scripture that says chill out somewhere. <laughs> should be. I, I, guess there's, I guess there's 365 of them that says fear not. <laughs> Do not be afraid. Do not be anxious. Do not worry. Chill out. God, God's going to take care of it. You just need to, you need to pull back, stop taking it all on yourself. Let him have some things. Let the spirit on the inside of you, let your spirit with peace lead you and move you and help you enjoy your day. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's pretty exciting. <clears throat> Acts chapter 27 Man, we're not even going to get... It's all right. It's okay? Okay. <laughs> Acts chapter 27. Now, this is when uh, he was arrested, headed to Rome. And uh, they were talking about the storm coming and such. Uh, and the prisoners were on this ship. And they were sailing and then got down to verse... Eight, passing it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens near the Sea of Alasia. Now, when much time had been spent and the sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss. 
Not only of the cargo and ship, but also of our lives. Just wanted you to see that phrase. I perceive. I perceive. He didn't say the Lord told him. Didn't say the Spirit told him. Didn't say an angel talked to him. Because later he does say an angel of the Lord came and said that there's not going to be any loss of life. But right here he said, I perceive. You're going to have to perceive some things in the Spirit. and Make, make your call based on that. And be sure if you get familiar with this leading of the Spirit, that your perception is not always some uh, uh, judgment about somebody. I perceive that something's wrong with you. I perceive that something's wrong with you, and I perceive that something's off with you, and I perceive that something's off with you. So you go sit in the corner and get some better perceptions. You can't walk around being all skeptical. Sometimes people's perceptions are just skepticism about everybody, and really very judgmental about everybody. Like, everybody's got demons. You know, I just... Be careful of those perception, perceptionized people. I don't know. All right, let's, let's go back to Romans 8 and uh, move along here. There's more to say, much more, but uh, I want to get through this a uh, little bit. Romans chapter 8. Verse 17. Uh, he bears witness that we're the children of God. Verse 17. And if children, then heirs... Heirs of God, join heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Notice that because we're children, we're also heirs. You know what an heir is? Has anybody ever inherited something? you, You were an heir of your parents or someone in your family. We're heirs of God. We get to inherit whatever he leaves us. Well, Jesus left us with a lot. I would say Jesus left us with everything that pertains to life and godliness. We got all this stuff because we're children. No non-child has the inheritance. All children have the inheritance. No non-believer in Jesus has any inheritance. Believers in Jesus have all inheritance, just like the Son. If you're a child, you're an heir. And then this is verse 15. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So you're a child because he did something legal in the spirit world. He adopted you. He adopted us. And that's a legal transaction. If you adopt a kid in this civil society, there's rules and guidelines that go with it. And that adopted child becomes equal to your natural children. And some say that even more so, because you chose them, they actually have a higher place in the family than the natural child. Now, that's not true with Jesus. He's a son and we're sons. He was natural son, we're adopted sons. And we get the same inheritance. Same rights and privileges. Same authority, same equipment, same blessing, same love, same glory. And that's why Jesus could legally say, glorify them with the same glory you glorified me with. Because we're all sons. He was the only begotten son and the first begotten son, but we are his brothers and sisters. He's the firstborn of many brethren. So all of a sudden, we're in a different place. All of a sudden, we recognize that we have a brother, and he sits on the throne. 
And while my brother is on the throne, he is never going to let me fail. While my brother's on the throne, he's never going to let me beg for bread. While my brother's on the phone, there's never going to be any injustice that he can't fix in my life. My, my brother is a king and he's on the throne of this kingdom. There is nothing to fear. So when you learn this, it will change the way you act. It'll change the way you think. Hallelujah. Go to Ephesians. And we'll finish with some inheritance scriptures. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. In him, in Christ also, we have obtained an inheritance. Notice it's in the past tense. You already got this inheritance. We've obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So I've got some inheritance. Verse 14, uh, or verse 13, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That seal is that same adoption spirit, or we could say inward witness that you're a child. That's the... That's the way you know that you have this inheritance. That's the way that, number one, you know you have inherited heaven. And it's the way you know you've inherited all the promises of God. You'll have to use your faith to get them, but you've actually inherited them. How do you know? The Spirit is my first sign. It's like deposit money. You ever had to pay deposit money? What does that mean? That means you're gonna, you promise to pay the rest. Some call it earnest money. The Holy Spirit is earnest money from God saying, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. There's a lot more, but I'm giving you this first deposit so that you know you got it all. He's the earnest of our expectation, the first deposit of our great inheritance. Here it says it right here. Verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. How do you know heaven is yours? I got the Holy Spirit. He's the deposit. He's the guarantee I'm saved. Look at verse 18. That the eyes of your understanding, that you being a light, you may know what is the hope of his calling, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Notice you have to pray. You have to have some faith that you can know what this inheritance in the saints is all about. It'll take some time with God. It'll take some time in the word, some time in prayer, some time in church, and a little bit more time in prayer in the word and in church. Amen. In church, you get a little inspiration. You get a little, little uh, acknowledgement that it comes an impartation that, whoa, this is wonderful. Now you got to go home and study it. Now you got to go home and pray about it. Now you got to go home and use your faith. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you into this inheritance. You can get part of your inheritance tonight. You get healed, delivered, set free, full of joy, full of peace. In the morning, you can have a wonderful, wonderful moment with God as your inheritance. And then tomorrow, who knows what kind of blessing the Spirit might lead you in. He's trying to get the inheritance to you. And it's physical stuff. It's, it's, it's mental stuff. It's soulish stuff. It's all spiritual stuff. It's a lot of stuff. It's not just spiritual begins in the spirit, but prospering and being in health is according to how your soul prospers. 
Remember John, 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all else that you may prosper and be in health. The Spirit wants us to prosper and be in health. He wants you to succeed at work and income and all that. But it says, even as your soul prosper. I want you to, above all things, prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. That means the inside of you, your mind. You're going to have to get some things on the inside right before the outside starts getting right. If your outside is chaotic and wrong and always weak and always failing, it's because the inside is. Because success and prosperity and excellence begins on the inside. Quality of life begins on the inside of your heart. Out of the heart flow the issues of life. Okay, so those are all realities. Let me just quote a couple of scriptures about our inheritance. Colossians 1, the Father has qualified us already to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Colossians 3.24 says, Knowing from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. You serve the Lord Christ, you can expect some inheritance. 1 Peter 1 talks about our future inheritance. So uh, it talks about to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you. Part of our inheritance reserved in heaven. So if you don't think you're getting enough inheritance in the earth, don't worry. You'll have plenty in heaven. Amen. Amen. This is the reality of our covenant in Christ. He gave us the Holy Ghost. He gave us himself. And he wants you to get familiar with him. He wants to lead you by his spirit. He wants to know you by his spirit. He wants to have relationship with you. Quantania, fellowship in the spirit. He wants you to believe in God and and, and understand Jesus and know the name of Jesus and have relationship with the Father and the Son and with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Lift your hands up. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 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 Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Put your hands down. Uh, is there, any, is there people here who now realize that God has been leading you? Anybody that just tonight says, you know what, now I, now I know what, that's, what that feeling was. Anybody? And now you have answers? Anybody? You got it? Good, good. Anybody else? I, I want you to acknowledge it. Before, I want you to acknowledge, yeah, yeah, I, I know what was right and wrong. Anybody else? Yes, sir. All right. Praise the Lord. Rejoice about that. This is it. This is where all of a sudden now I, wow, now I know what to look for. Am I scratchy on the inside? Or am I, my belly rub on the inside? Does it feel, does it seem good? Or am I a little uneasy? Oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. If you, if you, I don't know what to do, pray in tongues. And if you're putting two decisions on the table. Uh, or three or whatever. If you're putting decisions on the table and you're like racking your brain, you ever thought that I'm just racking my brain? Well, I don't know what to do. Don't do anything. Don't do anything. Don't let the devil or people or your job or anybody pressure you into making a decision on something you don't know what to do. Just, just pull back 
I'm going to pray in tongues. I'm going to pray in tongues. I'm going to pray in tongues. I'm just going to pray in tongues and pray in tongues and pray in tongues and pray in tongues. I'm going to quit thinking about it for a moment. Because if you, if you take it in your thought life while you're praying in tongues, you'll still come out feeling all confused. Just shut it down. So I ain't going to think about it. I'm going to trust God. I'm letting go of this. I'm going to pray in tongues. I'm going to go get happy for a moment. You have to. You have to go get happy. You have to go get full of peace. You have to disconnect from your struggle if you're ever going to get to hear from God. And then you get full of peace, and then you reassess. Hmm, do I, do I have an inkling toward either one? Does one seem, seem right and the other seem wrong? Let me pretend that I picked plan A here. How do I feel now if I picked plan A? Ooh, I don't know if I like, oh, it doesn't feel right. If I, oh, I, now I know. A is not proper. Let me go pick plan, plan B up. I sure don't really like plan B as much but I know I'm supposed to do this one. That's how it feels. That's how an honest Christian with the Holy Ghost can be led through life. Isn't that exciting? Yes. It might look like less money, but in the spirit, I know what to do. Amen. It might look like more challenges, but I know what to do. You can get better at that if you will emphasize the word of God in your life. You can get better at it. If you'll emphasize the word of God in your life. To hear the word of God in your spirit, you're going to have to really emphasize the written word. You're going to have to learn the word. You're going to have to do the word. You're going to have to give the word first place in your life. You're going to have to really, really put a lot of emphasis on God's written word. Like, this is going to direct my life. I promise I'm going to start living according to this word. And then you can start trusting the inward witness. But if you're not interested in this word, you will never be able to trust what's on the inside of you. Right. We have seen people led off the cliff, chasing angels, chasing sensationalism, spectacularism, uh, because they weren't grounded enough in the word. They would never let the, the written word stop them and order them and keep them safe. Trust the word of God, emphasize the word of God, and then begin to instantly obey the voice of your spirit. Right. Amen. That's how you train yourself. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is the Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life and that the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.